Hello, and welcome to the Booksmarts podcast, where we talk about publishing data and technologies and send you away with some insights that will help you sell more books. I'm your host, Joshua Talent. So this week on the Booksmarts podcast, I'm excited to have Angela Bull, who is the CEO of the Independent Book Publishers Association and my future boss <laughs> on the podcast with me. Uh, Angela, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks, Joshua. Yes, for those of you who may not have heard, Angela has agreed to become the CEO of the Firebrand Group in February 2023, so uh, about what, nine months from now, seven months from now, something like that. Uh, yeah, so we're looking forward to having Angela lead our team uh, when Fran is is moving along and moving just to the board of the whole uh, Firebrand Group. So, But we're not here to talk about that. We're actually here to talk about what Angela's been working on for herself right now. So, uh, Angela, before we uh, talk about IBPA, because I do want to talk a lot about what it, where IBPA is, what it does, uh, and and what it's working on, I'd love to for you to give a little bit of background uh, for of yourself. Where do you come from? Where's your what's your background in publishing? Uh, you worked uh, on at BISG for a while. What what is your your whole kind of what's your story in the publishing world? I know that think about it now, and the story gets longer and longer every time you tell it because the longer you've been in the industry, your story. You add layers. Um, well, I mean, I've, so I've been working in the publishing industry for just over 20 years. And uh, I started where I think a lot of people start, which is as a literature major and working in a bookstore, which was a great experience and really introduced me to what the publishing industry could be. Um, I worked in a very tiny bookstore in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and uh, made a great relationship with the, pink, or the Random House representative there, who was uh, part of the New York City scene and was saying, telling me in my little tiny Jackson Hole, Wyoming town that New York City is where I wanted to be or needed to be if I wanted to do anything in the book industry, that I was probably just wasting my time skiing. And she was, you know, I wasn't wasting my time, but I was definitely not advancing my career at that point in time. Um, so I did take her advice and I went to New York uh, for grad school. I did the New York uh, University graduate program in book publishing, which is what introduced me to all the people that I needed to know. I mean, I'm absolutely a, was a book outsider. I mean, you, it's a very small industry. And when you don't know anybody and you're trying to forge a career in this space, it's good to have something to settle on to kind of introduce you around. So that for me was the, the publishing program at New York University. And it, it got me into the book industry study group job, which I know is where you and I met for the first time. 15 years ago, maybe. I don't know. Way too long. Yeah. I know. It's just crazy when you think about time flying. Um, and I really loved that job. I mean, for somebody who was that young to come into a space where your entire job is to negotiate supply chain issues with all of the major players and to just talk about, well, you know, what would be best practices? Obviously, all of our systems don't currently do that thing. But there is some theoretical best practice that we could be doing as an industry or we could be leaning into as an industry. And how can we talk about that, negotiate that, and eventually do that work if, if, if it's at all possible? And obviously some successes, some things that were challenging and still haven't been accomplished. But mm -hmm. it was a great way to, to get this very high-level view of what publishing is as an industry yeah. and what the supply chain looks like as an industry. And I, I did that for almost 10 years before coming over to IBPA. Awesome. So you took over the CEO position at IBPA. H how long ago? How long have you been in that position now? I literally just crossed my nine-year mark, like okay. yesterday. <laughs> so yeah, nine years. That's great. Yeah, 
So nine years uh, working at IVPA and managing the processes and helping independent publishers do what they do. So let's talk a little bit about what IVPA is for anybody who may not be very familiar with the organization. Uh, what's the vision? What's the mission of the organization? Sure. Um, it, it's been a, um, it's a, it's a nonprofit trade association. So to give, you know, the, the geeky definition of what this thing is, yep. um, there is a trade association for everything. And we obviously are serving the independent publishing side of this industry. And our mission is to lead and serve independent publishers through advocacy, education, and tools for success. So those are really the three pillars that guide all of the work that this organization does. Mm -hmm. There's obviously a huge need to advocate for independent publishers. It's a, there's a lot of them, just a whole bunch of them, if you consider all the different business models, but they're small. And so on their own, they don't have the loudest voice in the industry. So really right. to kind of pull them all together and to advocate for them as a group um, is a big part of what IPPA is here to do and has been doing since the 1983 when it was founded. Um, the education aspect, we, we want a professional publishing industry. We want everyone who's publishing to do so professionally, to understand the standards and to publish to those standards, uh, to work together. So uh, another huge aspect of what IEPA does is to educate and to keep the standards of independent publishing very, very high, as high as possible. Yeah. And I should note, maybe maybe your listeners know that you were actually on our board of directors for a while. So all of this is is, is familiar to you. You worked really hard with us on the standards issues in particular to help us understand how we can um, get independent publishers up to par with the big five, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And then Tools for Success is just our way of saying, we'll give you discounts. We'll give you money, uh, you know, help you find money that you can use to run your business. We'll discounts on programs like Edelweiss, uh, BookScan, um, I, I can't even think all of the trade review programs. We actually, we have a discount with NetGalley, mm -hmm. um, which is part of the Firebrand group right now. So we're trying to help them get into the industry too with, by saving them money on the things that they're going to use. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the advocacy side of that. The been working quite a bit actually over the last, I, even when I was on the board, uh, what was that, four years ago, I guess, uh, three or four years ago, uh, there was a lot of work being done even then on advocacy. So what are some of the things that you guys have taken on in the last couple of years to advocate on behalf of independent publishers? Well, I think one of the big things is just visibility within the supply chain. So having, uh, it's difficult to get in with independent bookstores, for example, because that is a very crowded market already. There's enough books and there's not enough shelf space. Yeah. There's too many books and there's not enough shelf space. So being able to talk with booksellers and to push the value of independently published books, we're really talking about how, you know, we've had a bit of a reckoning over the past several years uh, related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and we knew at IBPA that a lot of that work that was missing in the general larger publishing sense was already being done quite well by the independent publishing community. So helping everyone understand that, that, that the diversity that they're looking for, the different voices that they need to be supporting or they should be supporting, we all should be supporting in the industry are, are here. They're just, you know, again, they've been quieter because there's only been one voice as opposed to a big five voice. Um, so really, again, advocating for visibility. Let's bring let's bring these independently published voice and these independent voices into the larger space. Yeah, that's great. So other things that you guys have been doing, I know that there's been a lot of work on the education side and on even uh, you know 
helping independent publishers engage more with the uh, the overall industry standards you talked about a minute ago. And I know uh, Lee on your team has been working extensively with uh, with doing more webinars and, and teachings and trainings and things like that. What are some of the other things you guys have seen on the education front recently? Well, I, when we talk about the education, and you're right, we've, we've ramped up a lot. And we had to go through what everyone had to go through when COVID hit, which is completely refigure what we meant by education because we couldn't do it in person anymore and yep. we want to be on exhaustive zoom meetings for the rest of our lives so we really had to think about how to make our virtual education interactive and to continue to bring that networking aspect into space where you're literally sitting at your kitchen table i mean i did the first two years of COVID at my kitchen table before i finally put a desk in my spare bedroom and here we are today and a lot of people did we just didn't take the time to really set ourselves up for this uh, new virtual space, which I think we have done. So in the education space, I, I think that's gonna be the new norm. I think we're gonna need to figure out how to reach people in their kitchens, in their living rooms, as well as in their offices, and not lose as much, not lose that networking or community feeling, keep that there as much as you can. And I do think it's possible because I've seen it happen in our webinars and roundtables. So we have to focus on that. And then the other thing we joke about is you just have to keep saying the same things over and over. I yeah. mean, I, I know you and I have joked about metadata. We could we could do a metadata class every month until yeah. we retire and it would be useful and helpful and it would move the dial. And somebody who had been in, in the metadata field for 20 years might come away from that one of those sessions and be like, oh yeah, light bulb moment. Because uh -huh. you just, it has to be iterated, it has to keep going and you have to keep talking about it. And there's always new people. And there's always misunderstandings. So. A good deal of what we do is keep hitting the, you know, the what are the greatest hits. Go through yep. the greatest hits and then go through them again and then go through them again and and not a lot changes, you know. Right. Some innovative stuff happening. I'm interested in going to the Page Break conference that's going to happen in October. So there is space for you to talk about big picture, big thought things, and I want to be involved in those too. But there's all of this like fundamental things we just need to continue to reinforce. Yeah. Speaking of education and conferences, you guys put on the IBPA uh, Publishing University everywhere every year, and I think, you know, as someone who's gone to PubU many years and and has been a teacher there, a speaker there a lot as well, I, I think it is one of the best conferences in the publishing industry. It's one of the one of the few where you can really get some very very practical uh, application understanding that, uh, in bigger conferences, people just kind of tend to think everybody knows everything, you know, you're, you're here to learn some other yeah. deeper concept or some other new thing. Uh, so you guys have been doing a virtual and in person, what the last two or three years now, I guess, uh, how's that been going and how's, what's the response been in the independent publishing community to, uh, to the conference, the changes you're making there? Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I love this conference too. I think because of the community. I mean, really, yeah. when you bring these independent publishers together, they are absolutely wanting to be there. And sometimes you go to these big conferences too, and you know their boss sent them or whatever. Like you're sitting <laughs> at lunch and you're like, okay, well, you know. But here it's just like this rabid excitement. Everybody is really, really interested in doing better and knowing more. So I do think that that's what kind of brings that energy to an independent publishing conference that might kind of be a little missing from some of the larger ones where it's kind of just your work a day thing. Um, the response to us, we did a fully virtual conference. And then last this past April, we did a hybrid where we did a virtual first and then an in person. 
And of course, people love it. Like they're they want everybody wants everything. They want all the options. Like they won't. They're definitely not going to take advantage of all the options. But if you start to suggest, well, we're going to pull back here. No, don't pull back there. Yeah. Continue to push in all areas. So you got to go north, south, east, and west, and at all times. So I mean, the response has been great, but it it might not be sustainable. Sure. <laughs> so, to say it's it. a lot of work. To say it that way. And I think um, next year we will be in Coronado, California, which is outside San Diego. And the talk currently is just to do an in-person because we have robust virtual programming, at least three or four webinars every month if somebody wanted to plug into a virtual. And then when you have a conference, let's be in-person. The only issue that we stumble on and, and need to really think through is accessibility issues. So there will be a certain segment of our population that will never be able to be in person in a conference. And that's just always going to be true. And we want to be able to program for them too. Mm -hmm. uh, so how we tackle that, we will have to see, but it's definitely something that's on our radar as we think about what's in person and what's virtual. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. But it's a lot of work, as you know, because you run the yes. Firebrand Community Conference or you help to run this Firebrand Community Conference. And yeah, it's it's a million moving parts and it's everyone's expectations. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. And and I think you're you hit the nail on the head, too. We, we called it the community conference in the originally. I think the first one was 2008 um, because community is so important in the publishing industry. And you mentioned earlier, this is a small industry. This really isn't nearly as big as some people might think. And you know, knowing people, having those relationships and connections to other people who do the same kinds of things you do, it makes a huge difference in, like you saw, how you can get connected into the industry and, and get your next job even, uh, and where you and where you land when you're looking for something new, but also just being able to learn what someone else is up to and, and how another company is handling a, a very important issue that you're running into. And, and this is why IBPA and the Book Industry Study Group organizations like that are so important because you can learn so much about what other people are doing without it being competition. It really just just about community. It's about building that relationship with other people uh, and being able to work together on the issues where we need to work together so that we can make success across the board for the whole industry. And I, I think that's extremely important. I love that. I hope I, I mean, I know, you know, we're moving into a different role, but that idea of collaborative work, uh, community, it's just ingrained. I have done association work almost my whole life. So this idea that we can accomplish this stuff together, if we really work together to get it done. And we, we're always going to have things that are on the edges where it is competitive advantage and you really want to, you know, acknowledge and honor and respect that area. But there is so much that we can do that is outside of that, that yeah. would help all of us. Um, I, my, our old or our current board chair, as of today, it's her last day. Uh, Carla Olson from Patagonia Books <laughs> says, it's not like we're making hangers. If I hang my coat on this hanger, I don't need another hanger. I've already got my coat hung. It's done. But with books, you know, if I read a book on World War II and I love it, mm. I'm going to want another book on World War II. You've probably heard Carly give this analogy before. Um, and I think that's true. So we can, a rising tide can lift all ships in, in many cases. Not all, but I think we should focus on the cases in which it does. Yeah and benefit from the work that other people are doing and help them benefit from the work that we're doing in such a way that we can, you know, as an industry, uh, approach issues like accessibility. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about open access in the academic side of the industry. And there's, there's discussions about DEI. There's all of these things that we as an industry can be addressing 
in a positive way without it necessarily encroaching on that competitive advantage that we have right. or the or the issues that that we're specifically focused on whatever company we are in that's right and then you know nail that competitive advantage as well yeah exactly <laughs> but let's yeah. not forget that that's really really important but there it is those things that you just identified there the accessibility the open access the dei issues um those in particular are ones that as an industry we can really work strongly together to to kind of push through some of those barriers yeah so I'm going to back up a little bit in the conversation, uh, but for people who may not know very much about how independent publishing works, and they, maybe they're on the traditional publishing side and they're not not as familiar exactly what is independent publishing and how do we define that, um, well, let's put a little definition around what, what you would define as independent publishing or what IBPA defines it as. Um, and you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of different, even uh, different types of uh uh, 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 pricing models or uh, what do you call it? Business models, I guess, around this, uh, around independent publishing. And so how, how would IBPA define independent publishing? I'm, I'm laughing because I will leave this job after nine and a half years and I will still not be able to answer that question completely <laughs> at all. And, you know, my, IBPA is going to do probably a better job than Angela Bull is going to do because it's just so nuanced and strange but you know i mean anything outside the conglomerate anything that is is not uh, trade on the stock market anything that might be mom and pop kind of thoughts you know if it's owned by family if it's owned by a small group of people um you know we'll have association presses we consider those into they're in membership university presses are in membership and there's a lot of great association presses that are putting out a lot of you know in university presses as well larger larger independents like a source books or a learner or a llewellyn mid-size um and then the tiniest smallest i just published my memoir a self-published author like and then within there as we said there's so many different business models and one of the things that's been interesting about ibpa is we don't discriminate against size nor business models so if you are independently publishing you can be a member of ibpa which means that our membership does stretch from the one book self-published author it's a very different kind of constraints and also interests you know, mm -hmm. for getting involved in the publishing industry, all the way up through the larger um, independent presses that are, you know, really can rival some of the big five in terms of what they're doing um, and what they're putting out. So what is an independent publisher? All of let's, that. Yeah, <laughs> let's keep talking <laughs> about it. It is, uh, it is a multi-headed beast um, that is filled, I mean, this industry, this part of the industry is, again, filled with a lot of creativity people just come up and it's funny sometimes to watch people because they'll come up and they'll be like, I just discovered independent publishing. And we're like, <laughs> okay, it's been here a minute, but, and, you know, and all of these things we're, we're kind of rediscovering and discovering them over and over. But that was such a non-answer that I just gave you, but that's how I feel about it. It's got so many layers yeah, and everybody does something a little bit different. And then they say, no, 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 but I'm different. And then mm -hmm. I say, no, no, no. You need great content. You need to design it appropriately. You need to price it appropriately. You need your metadata yep. to be completely on point. You need to have distribution and sales channels that reach the right markets. The basic thing that we're all doing here is exactly the same. Yeah. Everybody in independent publishing is like, I'm very different. I'm an outlier, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's my, thank God I'm leaving this job answer to that question because I don't know what it is. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. 
Well, and, and that's interesting too, because when I was on the board, one of the things that we worked on, uh, had a, a working group working on defining standards around independent yeah. publishing. And I think it's one of the great things that IBPA has done is, is to say things like that, you know, you still need to have standards around design and around editorial and around production and these other things that help anybody, again, from that very small independent publisher who is publishing one or two books to the, you know, very large independent publisher and the big five and or big four pretty soon, you know, it, it's everybody needs those standards. And those those help us as an industry define what publishing is, not necessarily what independent publishing is. Uh, and those don't constrain, they ne necessarily, they are really about helping standardize things to make things easier. Uh, make the processes run better. Um, and, yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the things I really have appreciated about that working group and about the work of IBPA is that coming up with those standards allowed the conversation to really solidify, you know, how can we define better what the standards can be and therefore how to help everyone, you know, hit that rising tide uh, yeah. so that they can be lifted. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and reader confidence is huge. One of the things that, you know, and I think BI working at BISG so long helped me to have a standards oriented mind frame when I came into IBPA. So I like rogue things. I like people, you know, shaking the trees, but I also am pretty rote. Like I like to understand where the edges are. And I want to say, if I'm going to break this rule, I actually really want to know what the rule is first. And then I want to understand why I'm breaking it. So I've got a, a you know, for better or worse, um, I think along those lines, but the, the reader confidence is huge for so long. People, readers were saying, I, they're, I don't like independent published books. They don't look good. They don't read well. They're not interesting. And of course they look good and they read well and they're interesting. If you're doing it, if you're publishing professionally, of course yeah. it's just, um, you have to kind of know the rules and follow the rules in some yeah. cases. That makes sense. All right, we're out of time. Angela, you want to tell people where they can follow you online and where they can learn more about the work of IBPA? Absolutely, and that went fast. Um, yeah, IBPA is online at ibpa-online.org. Um, and uh, you can reach us there. You can info at ibpa-online.org if you want to send an email to the general office. You will find the staff to be 100% available as humans to you. So if you're interested in knowing anything and you call the office, someone will pick up the phone and, and we'll talk to you personally about this industry, this business, and why, why, the, why in the heck are we all doing this? Um, they'll be happy to talk to you. So please feel free to reach out. Definitely. And I'll put a link in the show notes. Thanks, Angela. I appreciate you taking some time to chat with us today. And, and uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you move into the Firebrand group uh, next year. That's going to be exciting. Very exciting. Cannot wait. Thanks, Joshua. I appreciate it. That's it for this episode of the Book Smarts Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please leave a review or rating an Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast. And also please share the podcast with your colleagues. And if you have topic suggestions or feedback about the show, you can email me at joshua at firebrandtech.com. Thanks for joining me. I'm getting smarter about your books. Mm -hmm.